It's almost like I've been staring at your face for the last hour and a half. Or longer, because... Or longer, we've had we don't know how to use computers. Not we. I. Me, personally, I don't know how to use my computer. I have my personal geek squad over in the kitchen, <laughs> and I just go, Adam! Um, Caesar is I just, just as... quickly perform my gender, and then everything is okay. That's, yeah. I mean, you should be able to wield your gender as you please. Yeah, I mean, I just have to, like, be smart about it's it. It's all made up anyway, so. Sometimes I don't want to do things, okay? <laughs> Me too. A lot of times, actually. <laughs> Welcome to the Spooky Succubus cast. I'm Abby. I'm Rebecca. Maybe. And we're working on dismantling, damaging, fucked up um, norms that we see in horror movies that affect women of color and black indigenous people of color and trans people and any marginalized group. We're just trying to brick by brick undo some of the damage that horror movies have done while still enjoying them. Yeah. Like the trash that we are. Oh, uh, yeah, because I'm trash. Um, but in this podcast, we are... Uh, Pro-poor people, anti-rich people, anti-capitalism. You already said that. but Uh, Yeah. And, like, we are for housing justice. We're good people. Quote, unquote. Sort of. Yeah. (laughs) We're trying. Um, We're trying to deprogram what internalized capitalism tells us about our brains and bodies and marginalized groups. And for Rebecca and me, that just sort of takes the form of horror movies because that's where most of my brain power is wasted. Yeah. I'll think about horror movies for like 80% of my day. So So today we're doing... An Annie Brewer favorite, uh, 2008's Brian Bertino joint, The Strangers. <laughs> I don't know why I think his name is so funny, uh, but I. Hey, I sorry. I'm sometimes really like racist against Italians because I, I am trying to learn to speak Italian, uh, and I did study abroad there, and uh, I took Italian classes in high school and college. So sometimes I'm really dramatic about my accent <laughs> in a way that feels problematic. Um. I feel like SOS. That's not the worst thing I've ever heard, and I I think it's funny. So, um, but we all have to work on being um, unproblematic. So, I feel yeah. Like. Ugh, that is the shittiest brand of seltzer you have over there. This is Caesar's favorite, bubbly. I, he it's doesn't care. I honestly, it all tastes the same to me, and I don't care. So whatever he wants, Polar he gets. original, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're dueling. Let me take a dramatic. Yeah, hold on, I'll take sip. Okay, that was a quick photo break. Uh, I'll whoops, cut it out. sorry. Cut, cut it out, out of post. post. <laughs> um. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I hadn't seen this movie before, but it was requested by our friend of the pod, sister of the Rebecca, and newest Patreon patron Annie Brewer. Shout out. Uh, Ooh, should I have not said her last name? I don't know. She's fine. There's a million Annie Brewers in the world, I'm sure. So it's her. It's not her maiden name. So it barely counts. Just kidding. That was mean. Uh, she's my favorite that person was ever. Okay. Don't fuck with Annie. You guys are tens of thousands of rabid fans. Don't. <laughs> don't. Don't. Don't hit come her up. for don't her. Don't message her. No. Yeah. Don't come for her. My sister is the greatest person in the world. So. So. That's so nice. It's true. Unsarcastic. She's going to be like, you're being sarcastic, but I'm not. She's my favorite. She gave you three beautiful nieces and nephews, so you don't have to have babies. And for that, 
I am truly. There's thankful. no greater they guest. Are, I truly. do care <laughs> about. I care about them and have taken them as if they were my own. So, oh, don't cry, Rebecca. I might cry, honestly. I, How close are you? Sometimes tears. if I talk about... <laughs> I've done this also at bars. When we talk about our relationships with our sisters, I start crying because I feel very emotional about it. Now Emma's going to feel bad that I don't start crying, but I'm not a cancer. So. Uh, yeah, it's like, it's just my personality is to cry. <laughs> um, I can't help it. So I don't know how I missed this one because I love scary movies and I love Liv Tyler and I have a gigantic boner for Scott Speedman, but somehow I'd never seen it before. Weird. I, I assume you have it on DVD. <laughs> you one would think. Um, I actually like slept on this movie a lot. I think I saw it in theaters. It came out like around the time when I was going to movie theaters. I was like 14. Uh, so I probably saw it with all my friends. I've seen it like. 14? In 2008? It was 2005. What year was it? I'm pretty sure it was 2008. Maybe it wasn't. Yeah, okay, maybe I was 17. Sorry, I don't remember what year. Sometime in the 2000s when I was a teenager. 2008. Okay, okay yeah. 2008. I was in college. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I was in college uh, earning a bachelor's of fine arts and illustration as the entire economy was crashing. So that was a fine situation. <laughs> we were all doing well. I was a junior in high school. <laughs> I was just like, I don't know what I want to do. I'm going to take honors classes and pretend I'm smart. Cut to 15 years later, we still don't know what we want to do. <laughs> this, that's what I found. Yes, I really enjoy doing this podcast. It's good times. Um, but it is. I don't, like, it's, it, this movie was never, like, it didn't scare me, I think, as much as it scared every, literally everyone else who saw it at the time was like, oh, it's the scariest movie in decades. Um, but I do like it, and I enjoy it, so. It was fun to watch. Yeah. Are you doing the plot or am I? I wrote down the plot because I think it's my turn, no? Um, spoiler alert, I write down the plot every time you do? because I never remember. Yeah. I don't. So, um, yeah, because who did, who did the plot for, God, what episode did we do before this? I don't know. American Psycho. That was you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course. How could we forget the traumatic I think experience? I ended up doing that one. Yeah. Um, that was American Psycho. So, here we are. We're at The Strangers, 2008, not 2005. Voiceover comes over uh, black screen. It says... It's indeed not a voiceover at all. Oh, right. It's, Narration. It's Sorry. <laughs> narrator and not a voiceover. My notes are wrong. I've been wrong my whole life. Um, <laughs> he says, what you're about to see was inspired by true events. According to the FBI, there are an estimated 1.4 billion million violent crimes in America each year. Uh, both of those are false facts. Um, and Yeah, extremely false. Yeah. And sort of damaging. Um, yeah, I mean, that's our word for the day. Damaging, so. yeah. We, this is our back-to-back. <laughs> damaging ass so, lies, yeah. Um, I'm barely holding it together. Uh, the voiceover... Only an hour <laughs> 15 or so to go. Um, the voiceover, not voiceover narrator uh, continues to tell us that on February 11th of 2005, this is why I thought, um, Kristen McKay and James Hoyt returned to Hoyt's family's summer home after a friend's wedding. Um, and then that the brutal events that happened are still not entirely known. So... So some people didn't actually read that because 
I like skimmed it, but I missed the part where it said summer home of his family. So the most of the movie for me was like, what house is this? Um, so Why that's aren't just there a people fun fact about, <laughs> yeah, about me. So when you say some people, you mean you skimmed it? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that important. Except for the summer home uh, well, yeah, that was, like, actually the main the bone in my side, because I was like, do they live here full time? Like, I'm so confused. Well, it's out in the yeah. middle of nowhere, but nothing is set up. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, my takeaway was that rich people have more than one house. That's, like, crazy Isn't and that wild? wild to me. Yeah. I would even take, like, half a house. Honestly. Same. Uh, Caesar and I were just last night dreaming of owning a animal rescue farm and i really want to do it i just want to own goats i'll move out there yeah. i don't i just like i have nothing that i care about professionally anymore i'm just so tired <laughs> i agree i like i just want to hang out we with... could be like sherry moon and rob zombie yeah they i think own like a farm and they it would be a cult you know. if two couples were living in a on a farm I together. have said it before and i'll say it again <laughs> i want to start, start a cult, a cult. uh satanic anti-capitalist cult yeah exactly we need to like deprogram and normalize um female non-binary trans queer run cults instead of cis white people cis white men like i'm not gonna make anyone kill themselves you don't have to fuck me yeah like leave whenever you want but have kids don't have kids just like you don't i don't want to take care of your kids you don't have to like surrender them to me or whatever like the only thing that's gonna matter is the chore wheel and that's the only and, indoctrination yeah, that like, we would have. And who's cooking that night? Yeah. It just, communal living can work, you guys. God, it's almost like we're talking about communes. Communism. Or communism. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. That's it's our agenda. It's almost like when um, toxic, patriarchal, mask. I always say patriarchal, and that's not a fucking <laughs> word. It's almost like toxic, patriarchal uh, masculinity and uh, power structures fuck everything up. That's true. Whoa, Whoa. dude. Um, but again, I have no authority um, and no follow through, so... Will it happen? Who knows? Yeah, and like, how would we earn money? <laughs> we still have to work. We would. It's not like we're independently wealthy. Also, okay. So we just need one independently wealthy cult benefactor. Member. Yeah. True. Uh, but we could also register as a nonprofit, and we could hold weddings idea. on our ranch and charge I people. I am 100% in. It's like insane how in I am. Okay. And we can't fool our wealthy benefactor. They have to be completely in on it because it's not cool to manipulate people into surrendering their belongings and livelihood. Or. Although if it is a wealthy white man with generational funding. Do we care? Maybe. We won't kill him. We know we said we murder white men on this show before. We are just kidding. But we're kidding. Unless it's Mitch McConnell. I'm not kidding then. Um, I don't think. That you would go to jail for murdering Mitch McConnell. Well, you're brown, so you might. I would. I was really like, yeah. a brown woman took took agency? How dare. Um, um, yeah, Mitch McConnell should die. Mm-hmm. It seems like he died maybe 10 years ago, and it's just like a skin suit it's, walking around. It's a we, we have a Weekend at Bernie situation on our, hand, on our hands. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's crazy how often we end up in this exact scenario. <laughs> it's almost like everything is burning down around us, and I can't talk about anything else. Um, but <laughs> oh, the, We haven't even gotten anywhere near the movie that the we're plot, talking about yeah. is only getting kicking in now um <laughs> so the screen fades in and out of 
uh, as we pan across beautiful colonial style homes um, as sunsets. It's like a shot from a car window. Eerie music plays and it's getting darker. We hear a 911 call of a woman asking for help. And then the visuals. Uh, it's a small child. Is it boy. a small child? Whoops. Yeah, it's bad. those Mormon boys. Is it the boys? It sounded like a yeah. woman. Okay, I was confused. Um, but I didn't spend a whole lot of time thinking but about also, it. But also, let's take this moment to acknowledge we don't know the gender identity of this young Mormon child. And it could be a... You can still sound like a female like a identifying person and identify as male. So the it's almost irrelevant what the gender of the 911 dialer was. And I regret bringing it up. I'm sorry. Um, I was Why also confused uh, because they say their name is Jordan. So I was wrong all so around. I believe what happens is we hear the audio of the 911 call as the children start, like, discovering the scene, basically. I'm not one to criticize, except for I am, um, but it was a little, <laughs> it was a little sporadic a little of confusing. a setup. Um, but anyway, so... Bertino, <laughs> do better. Come on. Um, so, yeah, so we hear the 911 caller say that there's blood on the walls, they need help. Uh, the visuals are of the blood on the walls and a bloody knife and a ring box and flower petals and a gun. It's so dramatic. And then Scott Speedmoon alert. Uh, Scott and Liv Tyler are sitting in a car at a red light. Neither are talking and she seems to have been crying. They're both dressed nicely and we can assume that they are Kristen and James from the narration. The car pulls up a long driveway James slams his door harshly and also goes to get the mail for some reason. And they, this is why I was confused, because they don't live in this house, so you don't have to check the mail. Right. Why would they get mail sent to their summer home? Why would mail be having happening at their vacation home? Yeah. I, it's it can't flawed. be important. Um, Liv Tyler is smoking a cigarette. He wa- This whole movie made me really want a cigarette. She does smoke it and then puts it out and then... She never, she smokes like a quarter of a cigarette at a time. She doesn't have time to enjoy it. Um, so James walks into the house but doesn't turn the lights on. Um, she continues smoking on the porch. And then um, he, then he puts a record on. We see pedals and the table set romantically. Kristen asks when he did all of this. James is despondent and says earlier he thought she would like it. Um, and then he tells her to take the bedroom while he's going to get set up in the living room. He, in the bedroom, he gently offers to unzip her dress, um, and he's not creepy about it. So I appreciate that. It's clear that they've had some sort of argument or fight, um, because they're not really talking to each other and they're clearly not going to sleep in the same bed. Um... They, he says things didn't go as planned. Oh, he calls Mike on the phone, the Mike who got, helped him set up the house. Um, and he says things didn't go as planned. Can he come pick him up in the morning? Um, Kristen starts running a bath and it's undressing. We flash back to the wedding and see Kristen sipping champagne and giggling as James approaches and looks serious and asks her to come outside. He carries her out of the venue, which, uh, seemed weird to me. Um, but I just like don't even the carrying on the wedding night thing. I'm like, I can walk. I can walk, isn't it? The patriarchy. Did Caesar did Caesar carry you into your honeymoon suite on your wedding night? He was too drunk. 
Um, yeah, I feel like a similar thing will probably happen to me. Uh, plus, we live together already, so we both just went home. Yeah, that's like... It's not like I'm being deflowered or something, and it has to have, like, a bunch of pomp and circumstance. Even if you were, it shouldn't have that much pomp and circumstance. Yeah, I'm sorry. Let me correct myself. Like, virginity is a stupid societal construct. Mm -hmm. If you want to be carried into your wedding bed, then fine. But it just looked awkward. It did look awkward. And uh, I think no one looked comfortable in this situation. (laughs) Um, So he carries her out, and then they're joking and kissing, and he sets her down and... Um, pulls out a ring box and begins his sort of proposal speech, but her face falls and she's clearly upset. And then we see her back in the tub with her head on her knees. Um, Who proposes at another person's wedding? Yeah. Is that a thing? I, that's, it was a whole weird choice. Also, like, you probably should have talked to your partner about their feelings on marriage before you just, like, I feel like, straight went why for would, it. yeah, like, you should be having open and honest conversations about your future and what you want to do and whether, like, you're both ready for marriage or even interested in marriage instead of just, like, assuming that's what every woman wants to experience and, like, oh, she's in a, like, beautiful dress and, like, it's a special occasion, like, or just have, like, honest day-to-day conversations. They don't seem like they have a healthy relationship. They don't have a healthy at relationship all. at all, no. Because, like... Caesar and I talked about marriage all the time before you proposed, and it was a. I mean, we already upon... have our engagement ring. Yeah, it was a thing that we I were. I picked out do. my own engagement ring because I'm a controlling psycho, and I but wanted what I wanted. You want what you want. <laughs> that's not that's a regular thing. I didn't want an engagement ring, so he gave me a mood ring, and that's it was perfect. That's so cute. Yeah. I. Um, have a very pretty engagement ring that I have been kind of up Adam's ass about proposing because I'm just excited, especially now that I have like my boobs done. Uh, I really want to like do the planning stuff and try and wedding dresses, but it feels insane to try and wedding dresses when you're not yet engaged officially. Although we have set a date for our wedding, so we're not doing anything on any particular timeline. I'm just kind of you could propose to him, right? Or is that not something you would do? He I suggested that and he wants he has the ring in his possession and he wants to do it it, like in his own way. And I am pretending I'm chill, but internally I'm like Come on (laughs) (laughs) Um I mean But he has time. Our wedding's not till twenty twenty two. Yeah, I mean, come on, though. Get a time. But anyway, I'm, who knows? Adam's going to do things in his own time, and that's okay. I mean, as someone married to a similar personality type, you should know. It's, until it's his idea, it's not. I, right, (laughs) yeah, no. Caesar, we, he proposed when we were also on a trip, and we got in this fight on the drive there, and he was like, would not tell me the situation that was going on. And so him like trying to keep everything a secret was really annoying me because I also want to plan things for the trip. And he's like, no, no, no. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and I didn't understand why he was doing that. And instead of being honest to like trying to keep it a secret, I get why he did it now, but like we could have just not gotten in a fight and you could have just been like something is happening at this time. But anyway, it was sweet. Either way. Uh, where did you go on a trip to have said proposal? San Francisco. That's so sweet. Mm -hmm. And he was going to propose on the Golden Gate Bridge, but I just watched the documentary about people who jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. And (laughs) and, um, 
it was, I literally watched it like right before he left. And then also it was really cold and, uh, but he proposed in a restaurant and it was very sweet. Um, he was gone. Do you ever think about the restaurant or like? Yeah, we went uh, when we went back to San Francisco again. We like didn't go there, but we went to the wharf where it was. Um, Cute. And it was like over the water. You could see all the tugboats. And it, yeah, it's very sweet. Yeah, it would be a little easier to like experience the waiting game if there was ever a chance we would be out at a restaurant. <laughs> Ever again. I know. Ever <laughs> again. Small brag. I'm sorry. We went on a trip. Things that you can't do now. We went on a trip. Yeah. We went to a restaurant. I don't, I don't think you can say small brag when it happened like eight years ago. <laughs> God, it was, uh, yeah, like seven years ago. Weird. Any whom. What are we talking about? Any whoosie. At least we're in healthier relationships than James and That's Kristen. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, James gets out the ice cream, and he sits down at the... It's so dramatic. He's very dramatic. He's so upset. The drama. Um, He's eating a gallon of Bluebell at the table. Kristen puts her dress from the wedding back on, even though it looks very uncomfortable. Um, And she sits down next to him and tells him that she likes everything that he did for her, and it was beautiful. And then she goes on to apologize... Um, which I don't know how necessary that was. Don't apologize I mean, she for says, your feelings. I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah, like you don't need to apologize. Um, and then he asks her what they should do now. Um, she says she doesn't know, but she's just not ready for marriage. Um, he tries to get up, but she reaches out to him, and he says that he's just embarrassed. Uh, but then he puts on a record, and they begin dancing. It's like uh, he call. He says she's. You're my girl, and then they start to have sex, sex, sex. But someone knocks on the sex sex. Um, someone knocks on the door, and even though they point to the fact that it's four o'clock in the morning and the clock reads four o five, they still get up to go to the door. No fucking fucking chance. I'm answering that door. Absolutely don't. Don't knock on my door at four p.m. I'm also not going to get the door. Like, just don't knock on my fucking. If you haven't texted me to say i'm here don't knock on my fucking door i don't want to see you i don't know who you are like get away from me. things were different in 2008 i remember people just used to come to the door because nobody had phones but still not at four o'clock in the morning no no but anywho they do it because they're stupid um and a young woman is standing in the shadows on the front porch and she calmly says hello and he is like, hello. Like, it's just a very polite exchange at first. He tries on to flick on the light switch, but it's not working. The woman then says, is Tamara home? And then James says, no, she's got the wrong house. She says, are you sure? Liv Tyler is standing in the back watching. Um, and the woman says, see you later and leaves. And then they are like, um, that wasn't that weird. And they seem to move on. James says people get lost out here and then he maybe should go back into her but they go back inside and they have abandoned the plan to have sex Kristen points out you know they, the moment kind had of passed. a mood killer yeah. Yeah. Um, she says she's out of cigarettes and James offers to get them for her because he wants to drive for a little while anyway um, he says that he should light a fire for her first though so that later on then in the movie there is some source of light that's why the only reason why um, they discuss discuss their canceled plans for a road trip. 
and then he tells her that he called Mike to come get him in the morning. I wonder where they were going to go. I don't like it. See, like, where I is this summer home? Are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's maybe like the Carolinas. Like, it definitely looks like it's kind of like Southern American mid-century house. But maybe that's just because I read it was filmed in one of the Carolinas. Was it? I didn't read that. I think that's what Wikipedia <gasps> said. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's also like not that far from the wedding venue. So yeah, like, how are your friends randomly getting married? So close, whatever. To the... Suspending disbelief is part of the game. We know this, especially in this movie. Um, so then on the front lawn, Scott Speedman is drinking champagne and then throws it in the bushes, even though there's still champagne in it. Don't do that. Also, like, you have to clean it up. Yeah, this house is like basically abandoned. You're gonna want to be drunk later when you get back, so don't throw away the champagne. What are you doing? Um, Liv Tyler puts a record on, and then she's like kind of lolling about the house, putting on the engagement ring that she then can't get off. She's drinking a Corona, and then she sees. I thought it was a Miller High Life. Oh, I definitely thought it was a Corona. It's the color uh, of the we'll bottle. Put a, we'll put a poll on the Instagram. Who knows? What is it? Um, <laughs> she looks at the heights marked on the wall, which is a very sweet and sad little thing. And then there's a loud bang on the door. Excuse me. She walks to the front door with more knocking. And then she says, hello, from the other side. Don't do that. Quit answering the door. Yeah, like, you don't owe those people anything. Just be quiet. Just be quiet. Pretend you're sleeping. Pretend you disappeared into thin air. That's what I do. Um, And then the same exchange happens again. The woman says, is tomorrow home? Kristen says, you already came. And then the woman again says, are you sure? Um, And then, then Kristen locks the door after this. The flue of the chimney seems to be blocked, and there's smoke billowing billowing from the fireplace that sets the smoke alarm off. Kristen goes to disable it, and then while she's doing this, um, the alarm falls, and there's more aggressive bangs from the front door. She pulls out her cell phone fucking finally, and then there are beeps of it not working. She plugs it into the wall near the fireplace and then gets up to find the house phone. She calls James and tells him the girl's back and that she just wants him to come back, but she's fine. She puts on a more practical outfit of jeans and a flannel, even though it's 4.30 in the morning. Um, just put your pajamas put on, pajamas right? on, yeah. Or if you're going to put jeans on, at least put shoes on. That's, you know. Um, yeah, a lot of this movie is handled barefoot, where I think personally I would have put shoes on. At least, like, um, slippers or something. Yeah. Something. Something. Um, and then she asks him to stay on the phone with her, but the line cuts out. And I, they didn't cut the phone line, so I really think that he just hung up on her. I don't know. I think that he hung up he on her. He hung up on her, it, right? The, the line didn't sound dead. It just was like, Beep. bye. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she tries to smoke a cigarette, and then she's standing in the middle of the kitchen. Um, facing away from the hallway, and then we see the famous shot of Sack Mask. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. That's exactly what I called him. I started calling him Sacky later on, so um, Sack. Because the sack in the, he's billed as Man in the Mask, but I was like, no. Sack Mask. So I called him Sack Mask. Oh, <laughs> cute. We're on the same wavelength. 
Um, For sure. He creeps out from the hallway and then just stands there watching her. Um, when she turns, he's gone. Uh, and she, But she hears the door close. She calls out for James for some inexplicable reason. You just called him on the phone. You know he's not here. Like, he's not here, yeah. But she does get a kitchen knife. But then she starts walking towards the noise. Um, she tries the house phone again, but it's not working. There's another bang on the front door. And the alarm that was previously on the floor is now on the chair that uh, she stood on to disable it. So she knows someone's been there. Um... There's more knocking. She goes to check her cell phone, but the charger cord has been cut. She hears the wind chimes banging and metal scraping just outside the window. She goes towards the noise again, opens the curtain. Not a good choice. Don't do yeah. it. Hide. She opens the curtains to see the same sack man from the hallway on the other side of the window. She screams and falls back, and the record starts skipping. She runs towards the front door. That has just slowly opened, and she peeks through it and sees a baby doll mask. Why? Why are you looking through the door? And then she <laughs> she does a lot of things that doesn't make any sense, and I'm upset about it. Um, I think that if she just went to bed, nothing would have happened. Honestly, if they just never answered the door and <laughs> pretend they were dead on the inside already, nothing would have happened. Um, there's more thudding and banging. After she closed the front door and locked it again, she runs towards the bedroom, tries to hide under the bed, but can't fit. Um, yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, she yells for them to go away, and then she tries to turn off the bedroom light, but she's panicking so much that she breaks it and hurts her hand. Um, the record stops skipping abruptly, and then we hear footsteps approaching, but it's James foreshadowing. Um, he's looking confused and then Kristen is still panicking and crying and she says that they're out there and they'll hear him. He asks her what happened to her hand. Um, she gets up to close the chair and puts the chair in front of it and then he tells her to calm down and doesn't listen to her and what she's saying. Um, she says there's someone out there and she saw a man at the back door. He picks up the knife and goes to inspect it for some reason like he just doesn't believe his girlfriend at all um right why would he why would he he's a man and she's a woman uh she begs him not to go he tells her to stop and just stay there uh he takes a cursory look into the living room and is like there's no one here just come with me and shut up and be quiet i know yeah like you dumb bitch right you weren't just terrorized because I don't believe you. Um, he opens another another room and another bathroom and sees no one. Kristen's phone is in the fire now. Uh, they go to the garage, but um, James is doesn't believe anything that she's saying. And he's like, what do you want to do? Uh, she gets up to look out the window and sees the woman uh, in the baby doll mask from the front door. The blonde woman standing out in the middle of the yard. James says he's going to go talk to her, and then Kristen's like, they don't want to talk. He's like, well, they wouldn't just be standing there uh, if they don't want to talk. Like, what? They don't want to talk to you. I don't, like, I, it's confusing. Yeah, he's like, they have to want something. Uh, and it's like, which, what behaviors have indicated that, that they're, they, <laughs> like, are interested in discussing anything with you? Ready yeah. to converse. Um, he says he left his phone in, his, in the car, and he's got to go get it. Um and she says that one of them came in and took her phone and he tells her they didn't come in here. And she's like, 
Um, okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, the woman in the yard disappears, and they both go to the front door. Um, Kristen is standing in the doorway while James heads towards the car that has been smashed up and is running for some reason. He gets in, tries to drive. Um, the cords have been cut or like manipulated. How do you? What do you somehow, say? Hot wired. Yeah. Um, to get the hot wire. Get the car started. Um. And then and the tires are flat. And the tires are flat. So he, as he's in the car looking for his phone, a hand touches the back of his neck and he freaks out. Um, he gets out of the car and the blonde woman is in the road. He calls out to her. She runs away. Kristen comes out and asks what's happening. He tells her to go inside. Um, and then he walks a little farther down the lane, kind of just taken in the forest noises just chilling out yeah Yeah, no rush no urgency none uh he backs (laughs) he backs into the door and is startled by Kristen, who was clearly standing on the other side of it the whole time like what's happening buddy yeah Yeah. (laughs) um he tells her to get her phone and she again tells him they took it but he again doesn't believe her uh he wraps up her hand and says he hasn't heard anyone but them since they've been here there's no dogs barking no cars um he finds his phone laying out on the piano with the battery taken out. They finally decide it's time to leave and get in the car only to have a truck approach on the other side of the lane driving towards them. The driver is a completely different person than the other two that we've already seen in another sort of baby doll mask. I think she's billed as pinup pin girl. Um, yeah, I got pinup and doll face confused a lot. I started calling her blondie and brunette, so... Oh my god, we're so problematic. I know. Sorry, and I bad. They don't have names. So it's better than Sack Mask, Sack-y. I guess. Yeah. Good old Sack Ban. Um Sack Mask appears in front of Kristen and James Carr, and then as the truck rams them from behind. I don't understand why James didn't immediately step on the pedal and run him over, because that's what I would have done. There's a lot of things I would have done differently. Yeah. Like I don't know. I think after, like, the weird encounter, I would have been like, that was a weird encounter. I think I'll go with you to get the cigarettes. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't want to be alone. Um, like, I don't know the area. Like, And then when he came back, I would have been like, get your fucking ass in the car. We're leaving. Like, we're going. We're leaving. Something is not correct. I, yeah. I also, like, one just wouldn't have been in this relationship, but clearly he doesn't trust or believe you at all. Yeah, he invalidates her, infantilizes her. Um, the like lack of trust begins with them not fucking having had a conversation about whether they're going to be married or not before he proposes, yeah. which is just deranged. Like very strange. It's not romantic. It's it's <laughs> creepy, irresponsible, creepy, and misogynistic. Yeah. Um. And then it extends to, like, her being clearly traumatized. And I think about it, like, if you know and trust your partner and they're displaying irregular behavior and are clearly upset about something, what in your brain would make you, like, not believe disregard them. that? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so they – so after the truck rams their car, Kristen and uh, James run back inside Kristen asks if he has a gun, and James uh, is looking for it and finds it on the shelf. And they run to the back bedroom where someone's written hello all over the window in lipstick. 
Then there's bangs on the window. James is looking for bullets in the closet and he's fumbling to assemble and load the shotgun. And then she, uh, he confesses that he's not sure he knows how to use it. And then she reminds him that he told her he used to hunt with his dad, but he says that it's just something he said and it's not true. So he's a liar. He's a as liar. Well as and they clearly a have total dick. a relationship built on lies. Um, he loads his pockets with useless, seemingly useless shotgun shells because they don't know how to use the gun. Um, they head for the front door and James tells Kristen to just run for it when he opens it. Um, Which is also just totally insane. Like, where are you going to run? There's three people here. Um, yeah. They have a working vehicle and you don't. And, you and there's nowhere. Like, she doesn't know where she is. Yeah. <laughs> Um, just then an axe breaks through the front door and Kristen starts screaming as she does a lot in this movie. It's not productive. I don't want to tell her how to experience her trauma, but it's just not like a useful thing to do. It's just calling more attention to it. Um, so they, uh, they try to back, like try to block the front door with a piano as Saki continues to hack through. Okay, no, no, and no. no Those no, no, two no. people, pianos are heavy as shit. They can't move a piano by themselves. I'm just going to say it. And then Kristen... Unless it was on wheels. Wasn't it on wheels? Maybe. I don't know, you guys. It's, it, don't lo- come- it moved pretty easily, so I think maybe it's on wheels. But even still... Don't come at me about this piano. I'm upset. It's a stupid choice either way. Um, Kristen does, like, the second thing, uh, second agency she takes for herself aside saying no to this marriage proposal and lo- tries to load the shotgun and succeeds as she's loading the shotgun james throws a chair at the yeah it's like that doesn't seem like it's gonna do much okay yeah <laughs> um and then he takes the loaded gun and shoots at Saki and doesn't hit him the two then go to the garage slash basement area um uh i thought it was like yeah like a storage area it's like so it's sort of sub level but not all i the think way it's sub level but they're like at the top of the stairs or something like that because they he, like mike comes in at the ground level yeah and they're not and they can see the window there's like a window to the outside it's like yeah like a sort of sub level garage ish storage ish area um we don't know i don't know don't don't ask me. Don't I didn't me. build this yeah. house. Um, it's a cute little house. So they're in the storage area, hiding behind boxes. James is pointing the sh- shotgun at the store, at the door. Uh, the stranger has put on a Merle Haggard record. Um, that's been in my head since I watched this movie. I know. And then we see a jeep drive up, and Dennis of it's always Dennis of it's always sunny, sunny in Philadelphia. Uh, calls James on his phone and says that he's here early. He just wants to be there to support him. Um, So he calls before he goes to the house because that's what normal people do. An appropriate action, yeah. Um, But then he sees that the car, their car, has been smashed up. um, And he gets out and looks, oh, actually, no. While he's still in his own Jeep, he gets shot at. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And he still gets out. Gets out of the car. (laughs) Drive away. Call the police. Don't Call get the out police. of the car. Yeah. Nobody. I mean, not that I ever condone calling the cops, but I think getting out of the car. I think in this scenario, um, you were only getting doomed. out of the car is 
not as smart a choice as calling the cops. Um, and somebody um, shot at his head. It wasn't even like they sh- straight up almost hit him in the I head. know. I kind of forgot he got shot at and then he was like, hello? I'm going to go inside. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he goes inside and he's looking around and he only calls out to James and Kristen one time. Um, and he quietly stalks around the house. We see the blonde doll mask emerge from the shadow, but he doesn't see her. And then Sackman is behind him wielding an axe. And then he comes into view of James, who doesn't know he's there because he hasn't been calling his name. And James shoots. Why wasn't he calling his name? Yeah. Uh, Like you call it once when you're in the outside of the house. You've been shot at. And then you're not like, James, Kristen, are you okay? Come run with me to my running car. Uh, Yeah. He knows that everything is in disarray. There's, like, shit everywhere. Kristen's been bumping into stuff all movie. So, like, there's shit all over the floor. It's true, yeah. Um, And then, so James shoots Mike dead pretty quickly. Um, And then, at first, he doesn't realize, but then he's like, why wasn't he wearing a mask? And then he crawls out and realizes that he's just shot his best friend to death. Um, and then Kristen tries to, is calling out to him, trying to see what's happening. And then he jumps on her and I know, like, uh, assaults her. And she's he like, won't stop, reply stop, when stop, she's stop, like, stop. what is happening? Yeah. yeah. So he just like forcibly jumps on her and then she starts crying and tells him that it's There's not a lot his of fault. Crying, yeah. yeah. Um, and if here, Rebecca, I just want to say right now, yeah. if we find ourselves in a stranger's like scenario and you shoot me by accident, don't worry about it. Just call it's my totally name. Fine. That's like the number one. Just like uh, call me. Like Rebecca, are you in this back room I'm headed towards? And I'll be like, Yeah. Do you have a shotgun pointed at me? <laughs> um. So then, James is upset. Clearly, he's punching at the door. Um. And then he jumps over his best friend's he's dead so body. He's so toxic. He's pretty toxic. I love Scott Speedman, but James is a fucking douchebag um he's he loads the shotgun and said he's gonna go to the barn because there's an old radio out there and then he tells Kristen to hide instead of staying together they split up for no also it just occurred to me right now they never exactly investigated the vehicle mike arrived in they were like oh yeah Yeah, how did mike get here they could have just gone to the jeep (laughs) yeah i don't know Let's all learn how to hotwire cars so that if we're ever in this situation, we could get away. I also, like, it doesn't seem that... It's like they're trying to tell us it's in the middle of nowhere. It doesn't seem that in the middle of nowhere because it's not taking these people very long to get to and from other places, so... Yeah, exactly. James went to the store and came back pretty quickly, so I feel like if they had started running when all of this started, they would have been gone already, so... Also, it's still dark outside, so, so things have pre- presumably transpired pretty quickly because daylight hasn't happened yet. Yeah. And that would be like, what, 6.37? Like, yeah. It's still pitch black. Yeah. Um. So he pulls back the curtain. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. So before he heads out to the barn, he pulls back to the curtain and someone has written killer on the window. Um. And then. Who do you think it was? I don't know. There, no one is acting appropriately. Um, <laughs> so James starts he- heading towards the barn, and he tells Chris- Kristen to hide. But um, instead of hiding, she goes to the front porch and um, just hangs out. Hangs out, walks around the house, 
James heads to the barn but hides behind the tree because he sees brunette doll face with a mask. Or with the pinup pin mask, right. Uh, with a flashlight. And then she sees him. And when he hesitates to pull the trigger for some reason, she shines a light in his eyes and Sackman runs at him. And he's gone for a little while. Yeah. Inside, Kristen is just crying and pacing. She goes back outside and whispers for James. Um, swing sets are moving ominously. Kristen sits down and then just rocks back and forth. Sackman approaches from inside the house, but she hears him breathing and runs for the barn, but trips over a ditch slash divot in the earth because she wasn't looking down. It looks pretty rough. Yeah. She hurts her shin. You know what? I bet that may not have happened if she had sneakers on. Right. Um, She's not prepared. Mentally or or physically. Um, We hear bangs coming from the house as she crawls towards the barn. Brunette. A uh, pinup girl comes up from her from behind, but then suddenly disappears. Uh, and then in the barn, Kristen finds a flashlight pretty quickly. She calls out for James. We see an axe outline in a tool shelf, but no axe. <gasps> Even though we've already seen the axe, I don't. I don't. I don't think I needed to <laughs> yeah, know. I'm like, yeah, no, I, I know the axe is missing. <laughs> we, yeah. we saw it come through the front door. <laughs> right. Um, and then she hears Masky. <laughs> She's uh, it was a good joke. I know it was great. Uh, she's continuing to bump into shit and limp, or limp around. She spots the radio and tries the frequency, but it doesn't work immediately. So she just sits and cries. Um, I know. I was like, I mean, you might have to turn the knob a little <laughs> more. <laughs> I don't think you're gonna get anything of like necessarily the first channel you try, right. but okay. Um, the a voice then calls out to her. Or calls out from the radio, and then there's clattering around the dark barn and footsteps. And then um, Kristen is calls back for help, but doesn't give any sort of important information right away, which is what she should have done. And then, um, even though she's already heard noises around the barn signifying that someone else is in there, she's, like, not, also not, like, being yeah, urgent about it. Yeah, why would you do, it. like, hello, can you hear me? Why wouldn't you be like, I'm at this address, I need help, I'm at this address, I need help. Yeah. Um... And then I feel bad for Kristen. I do feel bad, but also she's so stupid that I can't. It's hard for me to feel bad. It's not her fault. It's, she's been conditioned in a trash relationship yeah, where nobody listens to her. That's true. Um. So. So, doll pinup girl smashes the radio, and then Kristen crawls out of the barn so slowly and out in the middle of the open. Um. She's hiding behind something metal. So that she can see the back door. She spots Sackman hiding in the woods. Um, she continues crawling and sees both female attackers watching her. One from the swing set. Um, and they don't do anything. I can, I'm can. i assuming they can see her because she's in the middle they of the yard. Yeah, she's just like yelling and crying and crawling <laughs> and along. Crawling. In her bright flannel like she's shirt. Not, yeah, she's not exactly subtle. Um. And then, but then they, the car, she sees the car's on fire. She looks around to see that both of the attackers have left. She goes inside, continues bumping into things. All the lights go out, um, and just the fire is illuminating the house. She, in it, she's limping less now. 
Um, even though it just happened and she like crawled her way across the yard. Yeah, I'm like, why are you crawling if you can walk fine? Yeah. Um, keys play on the piano and Sackman comes through the hallway. She sees him, but he doesn't see her. She hides very noisily in the pan- in the pantry as Sacky continues to stalk and wheeze around the house. He's breathing so loud. Um, uh, I think because the, the burlap isn't, um, like very breathable. Not breathable. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he takes a seat at the table, and she creeps closer to the slatted pantry doors. He looks right at her, but then gets up and goes. She comes up to the slats that are very open, and you can definitely see through them. And then she's like, <laughs> it's "Hello." So close to them. Yeah, <laughs> like continue hiding, you idiot. Yeah, um, just lay low. <laughs> seriously. And then Blondie startles her, and then smashes through the pantry door. Uh, Kristen comes out of the pantry and sees Dollface holding the ring box. Kristen says, he's going to kill you? Like, who's going to kill her? James uh, is clearly James? incapacitated because he's, he's not incapacitated here. and he doesn't know how to use a shotgun. Or, so I think this is a bluff. It's a bluff. Um, the woman toys with the kitchen knife and is just kind of like playing with Kristen. Um, and then Kristen fumbles in a drawer for a like comically smaller knife. <laughs> and Liv Tyler has pretty big hands, so it's like this really small paring uh, knife. It was really funny. <laughs> um, and then the woman walks slowly towards her as Saki throws James into the room. Blondie tells her she's going to die, and then James calls for her to run. A uh, pinup girl is standing at the front door, so Kristen runs to the bedroom and tries to open... <laughs> tries to break open the window but she's open palm smashing on the window like it's gonna I mean, like, break the, that's not how windows open get yeah. literally anything in this normal bedroom to break or the window like just open it you were also outside and you came inside so what are you gonna do outside that you're not gonna do inside like you're not yeah, running like the away same thing will just happen right uh you can't hide very efficiently so uh all the lights go back on and Kristen heads for the door that just opened without even looking both ways. She's leaving the bedroom and doesn't look around her surroundings. It's not ideal, right? Um, and then Saki smashes her into the wall and then drags her out of the hallway. She's grabbing at nothing, uh, doesn't even try to kick her feet. She's like fingernails on the ground. She's like... She's like my cat needing <laughs> a pillow, honestly. Yeah. It's very, um, it's pretty, it's kind of funny. And then we hear Kristen crying. Oh, uh, Kristen screams off screen and then it, the screen goes black. We hear Kristen crying and see their hands tied up. It's morning. It's daylight now. It's morning mm-hmm. now. Um, both James and Kristen are sitting in chairs. The strangers. Kristen's back in her bridesmaid's dress. Too. Yeah. Um, they changed her into her fancy attire uh the strangers stand in front of them kristen asks why they're doing this and blondie says because you are home sackman seems annoyed at this comment um and then but we do find out later that dollface is a newbie too newbie is at the end yeah, because uh, well, we we'll get we'll, get, to it. Oh, we'll talk about that. We'll at get the end. to it. Um, the two look at each other. Oh, Kristen and James look at each other meaningfully as they cry, and Kristen tells James she loves him. He does not respond. He doesn't say it back. I know uh, what a dick. I, I'm assuming he doesn't love her, and he's just now realizing it. Um, but you know, no need to tell her that. <laughs> right? Not when they're about to die. <laughs> this point in the time, the time they've spent together. Um, and then Blondie takes her mask off and sets 
it down and the other two follow suit, but we don't get to see their faces. But James and Kristen don't seem to recognize them. Kristen begs them not to do this. And then Stacky, Sacky stabs James in the stomach. And then Pinup Girl stabs him in the chest. Then Blondie stabs Kristen. We see the shots of the outside as Kristen screams. And then the two boys from the beginning of the movie are back in their white button-ups and slacks uh, with their bikes walking down the lane as the truck with all three strangers inside, drives away. The truck stops, and Blondie gets out to ask for a pamphlet from the boys. He asks her, the one of the boys asks her if she's a sinner, and she says sometimes. She gets back in the truck and says it'll be easier next time. Is that what you're referring to? Pinup says that to oh, is Dollface. That, is yeah, oh, okay. so um, Dollface is, like, presumably the new one new to the yeah there are three movies in this universe that i've only ever seen this one so maybe it's further should we do another one yeah um and then we see the same shots from the beginning of the blood on the walls and the boys going inside the house this time we see james's dead body on the floor of the kitchen slash living room one of the boys comes up to Kristen's body who's laying next to mike in the hallway as he reaches out to her, she jump scares us and screams and grabs the boy's hand. She's a good screamer. She I'll tell, is, tell you that. She got some pipes. And then feed yeah. the end. It's, uh, it's a tight, like, good little movie. I mean, I like the atmosphere. I like the house. Uh-huh. I don't like the masks. I like sack mask, but the pinup and doll face are annoying. It's, yeah, like the two cooler. women have to have <laughs> these, like, cutesy masks, of course. Like, heavy makeup, sexualized versions of, like, different tropes of women. And the man just gets to wear a very cool, chill burlap sack. Very Friday the 13th part. Duh. I know you've never seen it, but... um. I've only seen the one as he wears. Discussed. Yeah, he doesn't wear the hockey mask until part three. I did know that. Yeah. And in part two, he wears a burlap sack with just one hole. It's pretty cute, honestly. Ah. Uh, uh, also, they have there were some sacks going on in the orphanage. Have you ever seen that movie? No. It really scared me. It really spooked me. The orphanage. We should do it. Let's do it. Um. I think it's a Del Toro film. If I'm wrong, I don't care. Don't correct me. <laughs> Who cares about male directors, including this one? Uh, just so, kidding. obviously, we've covered this, but a huge theme in this movie is... Um, the patriarchy. James invalidating Kristen's feelings and needs, uh, infantilization of women, and um, dismissing their accounts of their own experiences. Mm-hmm. So... James assumes Kristen wants to marry him without having an honest conversation with her about it. And then he is wounded and um, toxic when she says, no, I'm not ready. Even though she's very direct and honest about her feelings about the situation. Um, She obviously cares for him and frankly gives him more leeway and grace than he's deserving of. Mm -hmm. And he still invalidates everything she says and does. And he, I think, is probably his judgment of, like, seeing her in this situation when he comes back is clouded by how angry he is with her. Because he's clearly upset and, like, yeah, embarrassed and sad and emasculated, but also angry. Um, Because he throws the champagne bottle and he's, like, all sulky and pissed. Um, And he, and so she's rejected this patriarchal, patriarchal, 
idea of <laughs> can't talk. Uh, I can't, can't talk, talk can't right? talk can't think can't and act talk, won't talk <laughs> um and so she's punished the whole movie for sort of her rejection of this and i think i feel like it's this sort of like ouroboros of bullshit because he treats her like she's unintelligent unable to take agency or think for herself and then her behavior and is like just completely foolish and in some ways reactionary to this like established perception of her personality so it just sort of like feeds this sort of like circle jerk of like she is invalidated and infantilized so she acts you know without like agency or logic Mm -hmm. and then that causes her to like have to be infantilized more because she needs scott speedman to like rescue her from the scenario it's just so like icky to watch it's icky and he like icks he's oh god and he's just as stupid and irrational and reactionary as she is but he's like trying to take control of the situation right exactly and if he had listened to her and taken her seriously and came to the situation they could have been out of there they could have left right in the beginning but instead he chose not to believe her and um can't load a shotgun and lies and um you know it's just like he's stupid like if the gun is the phallus you can't use that right either so yeah so this kind of segues us into the theme and through line of control in the movie Mm -hmm. we see um patterns of power structures and control in Kristen and james's relationship that are echoed by the game that the strangers play with them Obviously, the strangers have plenty of opportunities to take control of the situation and kill them, but they continue to play a game because it's not really about the kill as much, as far as I can tell. It's It's more about the control and the torment. Yeah. So that kind of makes it more like ridiculous when you watch the movie because James believes himself to be in control and like able to take command of the situation and improve their circumstances because he has this sort of like toxic pride that Mm. he is unable to see past. But he's not in control of anything in his life. He's, are you okay? I dropped my glasses (laughs) and I made a beautiful face. You did. Um, yeah, he's not in control of this relationship, and he's clearly a controlling boyfriend in person because he planned this whole trip and didn't... He carried her out and of, he like, carried... a social situation where she was perfectly happy and enjoying her evening. Giggling. He carried her out to sort of, like, yeah, like, impose his agenda on her, and when she reacts poorly, he's like, how dare you? It's also, like, the, he's he drives the car. He takes the only form of transportation and leaves her, even he though this creepy... He lights her a fire. He yeah, has he, to light the fire for her. He is going to get something for her, even though she could have taken the car herself and gone and gotten it. And she didn't even ask him to do it for her. He She just said a statement, and then he's like, no, I'm going to go And that is supposed you. to rationalize him not listening to her, mm-hmm. invalidating her feelings and experiences... And making her feel small because he's providing, technically. And he just orders her around, even though they're still in this situation. He's, like, telling her to go inside, telling her to hide. She wants to go with him to the bar and he doesn't want her to. And he's, like, get back, do this, do that. And he he's trying to control her in this situation that he has no control over. 
So. And I think because she's like stressed and distracted by the way that he's speaking to her, she just makes like completely erratic decisions. Yeah, and that they I'm sure he treats her this way all the time and so she's like conditioned for this. And I since an abusive relationship. She he jumps on her so True quick. Enough. Yeah, he physically assaults her. And it's because he's shutting her out and, like, not giving her an answer as to what's going on. Like, they're definitely not a team. Mm -hmm. They don't present as two people that are on the same wavelength, like, working together. He feels the need to dominate and even, like, can't be emotionally available with her in his grief over accidentally shooting Mike. He has to control everything. Yeah, he doesn't want her to see it even though, like, what do you think she's gonna just sit in this, Just like... She's gonna stay in that closet for forever? For the rest of her life? Like, she's gonna have to see him. I, I, he's just, like, embarrassed and emasculated again, and so he doesn't... He's trying to, like, desperately grasp at any sort of control that he can get. So, So, upsetting. they're... It is upsetting. So there are elements of classism mm. in this film as well. Uh, a lot of critics, I read some reviews from at the time, and they say um, it's sort of like a toppling of the perception that urban areas are more dangerous than rural areas, and it's supposed to sort of like expose the um, classism of assuming that you can only experience a violent crime in places with lower income um, populations. Uh, I don't think this movie did that. No. <laughs> like, that's, like, a complete construction. And it would have been really productive if this movie did that. But it's, um, I don't feel like any socioeconomic through lines that are worth mentioning in this movie. But it does seem like a lot of, um, journals and critics have attempted to sort of, like, recast this narrative as something that's productive to uh, toppling the ruling class which I just kind of don't think it is it's not and there's also like there was I read some arguments that the invaders are rural low class and we have no reason to assume that they are except for that they are driving a they a have old a pickup truck. truck yeah but also like I don't know that James's car is any nicer than that truck it seems pretty sturdy and like I don't, and then like Dennis is driving a Jeep, but. Jeep, yeah. I think there are definitely like divisions and there's coding of like, you know, wealthy white couple with a summer home versus like presumably locals that drive like a more working class vehicle. Right. Um, but it's like those class divisions don't do Vague. anything to like change the narrative yeah. because they're like totally what you would expect. And <laughs> um, I feel like. This is more like an exploration of stranger on stranger violence than it is an exploration of classism, but it doesn't really do that very well either because mm. everything, I mean, as you know, this is inspired by the Tate murders mm -hmm. and it feels like it is. It feels like a carbon copy of um, this kind of like random violent crime without anything more nuanced behind it to support um, an exploration of class or really like what promotes stranger and stranger violence or anything or cult activity or drugs yeah. they were all like super fucked up on drugs the manson family like on purpose if, they, if the strangers were in a cult i would be more interested to watch a movie about that cult than this movie <laughs> 
Yeah, it just doesn't, it's, like, very, like, it is an interest, it's, like, a a fun watch, but it's not, like, an interesting, thought-provoking movie. It's just, like, a fun time. Yeah, and to, like, retroactively claim that it does some, like, societal good by addressing these sort of, like, patterns of violence and power structures is asinine as shit. There's... I'm just here to watch Liv Tyler, like, run around. And Scott Speedman be mean. Uh I'm into it. But. Okay, I do maintain that Scott Speedman is hotter in the Underworld movies than he is in this movie. Uh, yeah, he's not very hot in this movie because James fucking sucks. So it's like, sucks. oh, God. What like, do you think Scott Speedman is up to these days? He's doing, he's just in something. I don't know. I don't remember. But um, he's a special place in my heart forever. I love He's him. very hot. Yeah. <sighs> I, there's like, in, I think Underworld 2, there's like a very horny aggressive sex scene between him and Kate Beckinsale that I was like I'm gonna say I've never seen I've never actually seen Underworld hey do yourself a favor I mean just for the Scott Speedman content stricken you're stricken (laughs) down with COVID like yeah just settle in and enjoy some Scott Speedman content content yep um I yeah I mean it's like a fine movie there's no black or brown people there are only like eight white people in this movie or eight people in this movie and they're all the whitest um you've ever seen so yes absolutely um although if I know anything about Hollywood and um particularly power structures in that space I assume if there were black people in this movie we wouldn't be too pleased with the roles they would be cast in. So maybe in this case, it's fine to just have seven white people Mm -hmm. in a house. Yeah. I'm not sure. Because I feel like it wouldn't occur. It wouldn't occur to anyone to cast the main couple that's being pursued as um, BIPOC. Like it would always end up being the attackers. But I think that if they were... BIPOX that it would be more interesting if they were like yeah for sure 100%. then it would be like a whole because black people are often terrorized in their own neighborhoods and their own houses by white people so like and particularly white people in positions of power who don't think that this that black and indigenous and people of color belong in the places that they exist in as well so like that would be an interesting all right comment. you're right I take it back it would be a better movie that way yeah but it would have to be like directed by somebody else yeah. It would have to be carefully and, yeah. Representation like, is done. not progress. Um, yeah, and so. it's not everything. It's not everything. But uh, let's, again, And as remember always, that our um, first, you know, female woman of color vice president voted against the bill to provide y'all with $2,000 in stimulus money. So even though she was like, Representation is it. sometimes empty liberal identity politics. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> capitalism is the real is the real killer here we're all victims of the patriarchy and we're all victims of capitalism there's also no um everything in this movie is very heteronormative too because we're watching a straight white couple be terrorized by the straightest whitest most boringest couple that's true there's Oh my goodness, their relationship. I'm actually glad the sex scene got cut off because I been like, so feel like it was going to cause me pain to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> they don't. It's also because, like, it's a, a weird casting choice because they did not have any chemistry. No chemistry. At all. Like, they seemed was... like 
It's like a person and like an acquaintance's husband is yeah. what it seemed like. You Which know? is hard because in most things that he does, I think Scott Speedman can have chemistry with a brick wall. Like he, anybody. He's usually quite horny. Yeah. yeah. Should have gotten Vigo Mortensen in that role. Huh. Right. Yeah. Like, okay. So also what if the main couple wasn't heterosexual? What if it was a gay couple? Or bump, bump, bump. A gay couple who is also BIPOC. Like, what a fucking world. Uh, You should watch the movie Spiral, which I think is on, um, I hate to say it, Amazon Prime. I think it's like a Shudder original. But it's about a, uh, it's set in the 80s or early 90s. And um, a gay couple moves to this neighborhood. And one of them is BIPOC. I think he's a black person, black man. And they're like, it's sort of like the same structure. Like they move to a new space and they're like victimized by people in their neighborhood. Mm. Uh, And it was like, it's not a perfect movie, but it is like some positive representation for, uh, especially because it's like a period piece. So you get to see like that, you know, same sex couples lived, worked, flourished in many communities Mm -hmm. spanning many decades back. So I thought it was a pretty decent watch. Okay, I'll watch it. Spiraling. You should watch it. Spiral. Spiral. Okay. Spiral. Uh, Anything else you want to drop on us? I mean, no. I think it's a fine movie. I don't think it like, yeah, it was like, I feel the same way I did about it before. It's like, it's fine. Is fun. Uh, yeah. Like, I feel like I'm not going to kick it out of bed for eating crackers. I'll watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, nothing else? Yeah. I don't think so. Um, so next week is my birthday, Ooh. and we're doing, um, I think it's from 2005, the remake of House of Wax featuring Paris Hilton in a velour tracksuit. So I am very excited for this tracksuit and this tracksuit alone. Um, it's going to be, <laughs> wow, problematic. Um, it's going to be lots. a very waxy shit show. Um, but wait. it's my party and I'll cry if I want to. Yeah. Uh, and Just then wait till the week, what are we doing the week after? Jennifer's body. Anaconda. Jennifer's no! body. Jennifer's body. But Anaconda is forthcoming. So buckle up, baby. John Voight is a problem in that movie. I can't wait. I've never seen it. You're gonna, you're gonna love it. <laughs> so uh, you can follow, subscribe anywhere that you get your podcasts. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at, at spooky succubus underscore cast. And all of the shits you need are in our link tree. Uh, and if you do have any ideas for our sign off, let us know. Because right now we just go bye. Bye.